1: For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia.
2: Well, thank you for joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. So glad that you joined me. Now, we are going to talk about communication today and There are several shows that I have done on communication, but I don't think you can ever do too much on communication. I think we can talk about communication a lot. And it's one of the areas that is the most important to us and sometimes the most confusing. So we're going to call this one Communicating for Success in Love, Life, and Career. How about that? So that's kind of a big title, but it kind of encompasses the whole thing. So, you know, it may seem like a contradiction to spend so much time On verbal communication, when we have lots of studies that indicate all kinds of different percentages these days about whether or not 7% of communication is all verbal and body language is 55%, some say that body language is 90%, you know, the tone of voice and vocal inflection and hesitations, pacing, you know, what you would call the delivery, that accounts maybe 38%. But if you think it's 90% nonverbal, maybe that's only 8%. We have 2% verbal. I I don't know. I I have looked and looked, and there are so many different percentages. What we do know is that because we are very sensorial beings, we are sensorial beings, which means that all of our senses get engaged. What we do know is that all those modes of delivery truly affect how we communicate. We also know... What's going on inside of us and the contradictions and the conflict that we may have inside of us greatly affect how we communicate. So what we want to think about is the reason that all of these different percentages may differ so much is because verbal communication is considered an overt method, whereas what we would characterize the delivery system, that's the covert support to this overt message, method. So the way I deliver my body language, my tone of voice, hesitation, rate of speed, pacing, the words I choose, whatever that may be, that's the covert, and that has so much to do with supporting the authenticity of the overt, which is simply my words and the language I use. And so it's really important In this concept in communication, to manage the overt part and the covert part as well. And recognizing and identifying these two aspects in other people. So recognizing that, wow, I'm hearing what they're saying, but why does it not feel genuine? Or why am I not believing them? Or, wow, I really felt what they just said. That really resonated with me. So that's, it's imperative that I'm aware of those other variables when I'm listening and watching and talking to other people. So I might miss the point completely if I'm not aware of these, or I might get offended. I might get confused. I might be hurt. I might just let the conversation continue going and hope I get it figured out instead of stopping it at that moment and saying, you know, can you repeat that? Or could you clarify that for me? I'm not sure if, if, what you mean. And so that helps if we are confident enough to not let the conversation just continue to go and hope that it figures itself out. We many times have far more success. And so these aspects affect that covert and overt part of my communication. Now, we have an example, and I give this when I do um, any kind of business lectures on communication when it comes to gender. There's this tendency for women to nod their head because they're trying to indicate to you that they're listening, that they're following. They nod their head, uh-huh, mm-hmm, right, mm-hmm. Whereas men see this non, as a nonverbal cue of agreement. So I'm constantly having to say to, to women, if you're talking with men, stop nodding your head. You, when you look at men, you don't ever see them nod their head. They just stare at you while you're talking. They let people give talk, whatever they're going to say, and then they may say, I don't buy that, or, yeah, I'm in full agreement with that. So it's important that we understand that there's a lot of different things that affect the way we communicate. Things like introversion and extroversion. Introverts have a more difficult time with eye contact than extroverts do. And, and an extrovert, if they don't know that, they may take that as somebody being covert or being dishonest or being insecure. Because you want to understand that with introverts, they have to think before they talk. So if you're an extrovert, you have to talk to know what you're thinking. So when introverts and extroverts are communicating, you can understand how difficult that may be, because extroverts have a hard time with open space. So the introvert never has time to figure out what they're thinking in order to speak what they've thought. So as we discuss this overt-covert phenomenon, I'm sure that you can relate to the feeling that the words said one thing, but the way in which the information was communicated or how it felt said something else entirely. And this is why it's imperative that we understand these words overt, which is concrete, and that's the delivery method, and the subtleties are the covert part of the message. So think about, you know, quote unquote, the wink or the nod when you're talking with someone in a company of others or the nod, or looking away, or better yet, consider that icy, sarcastic tone of a compliment while pleasing words are being spoken. Or think about a time when you liked what you heard, but after you walked away and thought about it, you had a suspicious, kind of maybe an unsettled feeling. So the overt words didn't match all the covert information you picked up on. This is what we call incongruence. So when we talk about abuse and dysfunction in childhood, we realize that we are taught to either ignore what they are doing, for example, do as I say, not as I do, or we're taught not to trust our gut. For example, this is a good person, they wouldn't lie to me. They wouldn't manipulate me. Or the dilemma of a good person who really wants to mean what they say, but is unable to follow through. So they hope you don't find out, and they're able to make good on their word before you figure out they're incongruent or divided within themselves. See, we all do this to one degree or another. And as we continue this journey, what, what, you know, we are always talking about being your own best version. We find that one of the qualities of an individual who is being made in the image of God, which is an integral part of being human, because we all become sick if we don't express ourselves. And so we see this, when we, are, when we are really looking at this, the, the individual that, that has this need to be authentic and honest and transparent with myself and with God. And so this idea in the book of Job, he and his friends went on and on and on and on, expressing their thoughts and their feelings and their hopes, their disappointments, their stress and their fear. And so for a while it was very helpful for Job until it turned into problem solving, when they were saying they were his best friend, when they were saying they were on his side, but then they kept telling him all the things he probably was doing wrong, that it had to be his fault, that all this calamity had befallen him. So before we address this big issue of communication completely, you need to realize the need, the power, and the necessity of communication. I say this because many people think there's no valid reason for expressing what they think or feel. On top of the fact that many of us have been made fun of or talked about how we feel or talked at. Maybe we've been ignored. Maybe we've been dismissed. So we've learned that it's not safe to talk about our internal world. What we want to remember is God values our feelings and our thoughts very, very much, very deeply. It's a part of who we are. And this is because they make up a great majority of who we are. Those feelings and thoughts. He's not ashamed of us, nor does he think our internal world is silly or ridiculous or stupid or bad. Truly, it is what it is. And God accepts it 100%. It doesn't mean he accepts it as a form of agreement, it means he accepts who we are. And we will continue to be in pain and confusion and condemnation until God can truly infuses himself into all of our being and into our communication so what you want to think about is what are some of the things i may say to myself as a way to justify not communicating how about this have you ever said this what's the point doesn't do any good to talk about negative feelings feelings or things i don't want to hurt anyone so what good does it do for me to talk about it how about this it just makes it worse Or complicates things if I talk about it. It's best to keep well enough alone. I want to avoid a conflict. Or how about this? God already knows how I think and feel. Or, well, that person already knows how I think and feel. Why do I have to say it? How about this one? I don't know how to express myself. And I won't be understood if I do. It's never worked for me in the past to talk about or express what I think or feel. Why should I start now? Or how about this one? I think it's just a headache, backache. Maybe it's the flu. Maybe I didn't get enough sleep, PMS. It's not that bad. I'm making a big deal out of nothing. My feelings are really kind of stupid. Or this one. I'm sure it's because I'm oversensitive. I'm sure you can relate to those, and maybe you have some of your own, as to how we talk ourselves out of expressing ourselves and standing up for ourselves and being present in the relationship. So I want you to know that God never minimizes, never condemns, never derides, does not disapprove or condemn our feelings, our thoughts, our concerns. Now, that doesn't mean I'm talking about the initial feeling, the initial thought. If I continue in a feeling of hatred, that may become a moral issue. If I continue in negative thinking, God may not join with me and help me with that. But he doesn't condemn me for it he understands why i may fall into that trap so we're coming up to a break and in the next the next segment here we're going to talk about that humans are made to communicate actually all mammals are made to communicate if you've ever you know we have a cat uh, the cat before this previous cat was a chatty cat i mean this cat walked around the house talking all the time we had obviously we have no idea what he's saying this particular cat we have now Barely makes a sound, but she communicates in a whole bunch of other ways. So, you want to understand humans, mammals, are made to communicate with all the things around them. Have you talked to your car lately? Right? (laughs) Okay, this is Cynthia Hyde with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about communication for success in love, life, and career. Make sure you join the web, but look at the website at cynthiahyde.com for the podcast that you're listening to today. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me. And if you are just currently joining me, we are talking today about communication. And I want to make sure that if you can't listen to the show in its entirety, please visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. All the shows are located there for you to listen at any time. Uh, you Everything is on that. You, you can listen to music, um, songs that I've sung. You can certainly look at all the areas that I teach on, all the lectures that I give if you are needing a keynote speaker. there There's um, a, a little link for the blogs that we do after each show so you can read a condensed version of the show. So make sure that you, jo- you, you look at the website. It's pretty amazing and, and uh, My amazing social media person just did some updates to it. So it's looking pretty good. So let's go back to this whole idea about humans are made to communicate. And I was saying in the last segment, animals, mammals. Mammals communicate. You know, we have birds that are chirping all the time. We have lions that are roaring. We have all kinds of ways that animals want to communicate with one another. And so humans, we have a much more complicated way of communi- communicating, but it is absolutely imperative for our well-being that we do. And so what, what's most important for us to establish is that the communication skills we're discussing today, they transcend business, personal, political arenas. arenas. This is because if I'm truly being what we call the best version of me, I'm being my own best version, I will be communicating in a very congruent way. Now, this is the example of Christ. He did not em- need to employ a different skill set for the different arenas he was speaking and interacting with. That doesn't mean he may not have had to adjust to the culture that he was speaking to. But he was congruent, mature, operating out of love, highly connected to the vision and the purpose his father created him for. So, how does this translate to us? How do I become congruent? Well, first and foremost, it means I need to be working on understanding my own internal world. That is being able to identify the difference between feelings and thoughts. There's a big difference. I can choose my thoughts. I cannot choose my feelings. I can choose what I do with my feelings. I oftentimes can choose how big the feeling gets. But my feelings just occur. My thoughts I may have random thoughts, but I choose where my thoughts go. I can choose to delete a thought. I can choose to ignore a thought. I can choose to rearrange a thought. So it's imperative that I understand the difference between thoughts and feelings. Because many times, people express a feeling saying it's a thought. And many times, all these feelings come through a statement and they don't want to admit that they're feeling something. But the feeling is happening in front of everyone. And so I do this because I need to be willing to be authentic and honest and transparent with God and myself. This means intellectual and emotional honesty. And then I do this and I need to be willing to do this with another person. Now, if we wait until we are perfectly authentic, honest and transparent, we'll never interact with another person because it's never going to happen completely until obviously Jesus comes back till the good work is done. So we really want to always have that be our base though. What's going on inside of me? Now, many times people hear this and they think that's a self-centered issue. Let me just give you a way to think about this. The most self-centered people are the people that don't want to deal with themselves. And so all of us have to deal with them. That's really, truly the issue. The more on top of me I am, the less you have to worry about me. The more I manage myself, the more I understand myself, the more I do all of that for you. So I have lots of energy and time to think about you and to be interested in you. If I'm truly taking care of me, if I understand me, I'm on top of me, I have lots of time and energy to be interested in you. And that's an imperative concept if you want healthy relationships in any arena that you work in and live in and relate to. So let's look at this verse, James five sixteen. This says, so admit to one another that you have sinned. Pray for one another so you might be healed. The prayer of a godly person is powerful. It makes things happen. So this is a really important concept of why God wants us to be interacting with each other and why he wants us to be healthy people. Because if somebody confesses a sin to me, and I'm all complicated inside, and I'm all chaotic inside and confused, then I'm going to end up making that sin about me. I'm either going to judge the sin. I'm going to be disgusted by the sin. I'm going to take the sin personally. I'm going to complicate it. So what that means is I need to be pursuing my own identity, my own calling, my purpose, and my vision that God has for me, the vision God has for me with God. And I need to work with God on being aware of my feelings and thoughts. And I need to be willing to take responsibility for what I feel and what I think. And then I need to be willing to express what I feel and think. And I need to have the courage to do this. So I love this verse, Psalms fifty-six, eleven. It says, in God I trust and I'm not afraid. What can man do to me? Now I know I can hear you thinking. Because I know what I think when I think about what can man do to me. Well, a lot of things. But when we are truly an authentic, healthy, mature person in a first world country, probably the worst thing that can happen to us is that we get our feelings hurt. And that might mean, on a very big level, it might mean that somebody betrays us. It could be a uh, a partner betrays us. It could be a spouse betrays us. A child betrays us. We could get misperceived. Somebody could lie against us, slander, slander us. But these are not necessarily dangerous issues. These are painful issues that happen in a fallen world. The healthier I am, the more mature I am, the more I'm going to be able to tolerate this. So this is what I want you to understand. This is a big concept. Much of what I do in my practice and that I worked on in my own life is I have to increase my tolerance for negative feelings. I decrease my tolerance for bad behavior. What we have in our world right now is we have no tolerance for a negative feeling. If I'm hurt, scared, upset, maybe I stay home. But I tolerate all kinds of bad behaviors from other people and from myself. So authentic people, healthy people, mature people have a high tolerance for negative feelings. I can handle how hard this world is. I don't necessarily like it and enjoy it. But I do not tolerate bad behavior for, for any period, lengths of time. A mistake, yes. A chronic issue that someone's not working on? No. So it's imperative that when we're doing this, that we understand, I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be afraid. What can man do to me? It cannot steal my salvation. And they are going up against God when they hurt me. Because God is on my side. So it's very difficult and very frightening to be transparent. This is why Jesus was the most transparent to his father, his creator himself, and then to the few friends that he had. And that didn't always turn out well when he was transparent with them. So he was always that way with his father, with his, with his creator, then with his friends. We have a tendency to do it the other way around. We want to be transparent with all these maybe unsafe people before we go and talk to God about things. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. We are talking about communication for success. So make sure you join me in the next segment. Visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com for all kinds of great things. And join me in the next hour. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. And you are listening to Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. So glad you're joining me today on Conversations with Cynthia. And we are talking about communication. And before I go any farther, this is what I would like to communicate. I have the best producer, Jeremy, and I am so remiss on thanking him. I do thank him, but I should tell you because he really is very helpful. So, Jeremy, thank you so much. (laughs) So here we are talking about this need to be transparent with God, and first with God and then with others. And this idea, when it comes to relationships and communicating, that I need to increase my tolerance for negative feelings, and I need to decrease my tolerance for bad behaviors. That means that as a healthy adult, a mature adult, a strong adult, an authentic adult, I can handle those feelings of hurt, disappointment, betrayal, fear anger uh, disgust sadness all those really painful negative feelings I need to be able to handle those that helps me be a good communicator it helps me be an authentic person and it helps me not be self-centered and then I want to decrease my tolerance for bad behavior because see right now in our in our culture in our society we have no tolerance for negative feelings I mean, God forbid someone get their feelings hurt. And my job is helping people to be able to manage a negative feeling without doing negative bad behaviors, to manage that negative feeling. Because when we do that, we cause ourselves to be weaker, which means we handle less, which means we have to act out more. So we also, as we are learning to tolerate negative feelings, we work on being strong enough to decrease the tolerance for bad behaviors. So that means that some people in our life may have to be moved out a couple of rings. We may have to create a little bit more space if they can't control their behaviors or their mouth. Because that's part of understanding the power of words. And just as God revealed himself to us through his words, our words reveal who we are to God and others. See, words are very life-giving. Timing and delivery either support or destroy the effectiveness of those words. So I like this verse. This is Proverbs twelve eighteen in the NIV. It says, the words of a reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And and I I really love this verse because many times clients will say to me I, I can't believe you just said that to me or I can't believe you just were able to say that to my husband and he took it or I can't believe you said that to me and it it actually is helpful because see I can say very difficult very painful very pointed very direct things because I am not reckless with those words I'm not flippant I'm not sarcastic. It's very strategic, I know why I'm saying it, and I know it's coming from a place of love, and the timing and the delivery is everything, which means I have patience. I might wait six months to a year before I say something to a client about a particular thing that needs to be talked about and addressed, because there's a relationship that's happening. And so in Proverbs 25:11, it says, like apples of gold in settings of silver— is a word rightly given how about this? This is a scary one matthew twelve thirty six But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken that's powerful. I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken and Matthew 15 18 says but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart and these defile them so you've heard that out of a out of the heart a man speaks so you know how it feels when you interact with someone for any length of time you start to get a feeling of what that person's inside world is like and it can linger it's like an aroma And the way that they put words together, the way they structure a sentence, the words they choose, the tone they use, the things they don't say, the pause they make, or the fact that they never take a break, and it's a wall of words, tells you about that person's heart. So we're going to end this segment with Luke 6. This is in the message. It says, work the words into your life. That's the That's the overarching and it says you don't give wormy apples. You don't get wormy apples off a healthy tree nor good apples off a diseased tree. The health of the apple tells the health of the tree. You must begin with your own life giving lives. It's who you are, not what you say and do that counts. Your true being brims over into true words and deeds. So join me for the last segment as we talk about communication for success in love, life, and career. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment. Make sure you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and I'm so glad that you joined me today. And we are talking about communication and the power of communication, and what it reveals to others about who we are, what it reveals to us about ourselves. And we talked about in the very beginning, the need to understand the difference between thoughts and feelings. We, we talked about the need to be very aware of your own internal world. And being able to be a transparent person does not mean someone that exposes things unnecessarily. Transparency means I'm authentic. Transparency means that What I say I do, what I do I say, and who you're experiencing is truly who I am. And that's what we see in the life of Jesus. So this interpersonal communication, what what does that mean to communicate? Well, it's it's to impart, to transmit, give information, exchange information. It's about being connected. It's the ways to have meaningful relationships. And it opens up and allows for multi-level communication. So there has to be a giver and a receiver. And if you remember in the beginning, we talked about the covert and the overt. So we have overt things, which is language, the words I'm speaking. And we have covert things, which is the nonverbal stuff, the messages that I'm sending. And so as a giver, I need to be aware of the covert and overt messages that I'm giving. And the receiver has to be aware of what it is they're receiving. So this means that the giver has to be willing to share, reveal him or herself at some level, whatever level is appropriate to that relationship. And the receiver has to be willing to be open to hearing and or listening. Because hearing and listening are different. I can hear a lot of things. That doesn't mean I necessarily listened to what I was hearing. So this is part of, you know, a negative feeling can result a lot of times when meaningful and successful communication don't happen. And so what is interpersonal communication? What is it for? Well, it's to strengthen relationships. It's to teach, give direction, to explain, to reveal myself. It's taking responsibility for my own internal world. And it's then to know someone and to be known. That's how we do that. So God communicates interpersonally. God always sets the example when, when he's doing this. And we see that example between him and Christ, that that is an interpersonal relationship. And so no matter how difficult it might be, no matter how much assertiveness is necessary, it's important that we speak things in love. And this is the starting point for establishing reality and truth. And understanding that speaking words are a part of being made in the image of God. That words set us apart from the rest of the creation. It's the responding and the reacting as a human. And it is the primary mode of connecting as humans. Words create intimacy. They allow our soul and our spirit and our mind to be expressed. Think about if you've ever had a regret or heard someone a regret after a person passes. And they say, oh, I should have told them. I should have let them know. Or if you've ever watched a pantomime or spoken with someone that doesn't speak your language, you quickly see how much work goes into figuring out what they're trying to say. And so in John chapter 1, verse 1, God is revealing to us the power of words. It says, the word became flesh. This means that the word, when the word becomes flesh, it's, it's, it's tangible, it's concrete, It means it creates things. It's living. And it means that if it's living, it means it can kill things. It can create things. It can destroy things. And so there is so much power in a word. And so in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. And so I love this in in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 24. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. But it says... In quotes, God said, and it says it 13 times, and God said, let there be light. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate day from night. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. And God said, let the land produce living creatures. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, increase in number. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant. And then in chapter 2, God commanded the man. You can eat from the tree in the garden except from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Knowledge, these are words, that's words. Don't eat from it. The moment you eat from the tree, you're dead. God said, I like this one, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make him a helper and a companion. So God put the man in a deep sleep and he made woman and presented her to the man. And this is funny. The man said... As soon as the woman was created, then the man spoke something. He said, finally. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. <laughs> so it's really powerful when you look at words, that there's significance in words. So let's look at this, th- let's look at this whole idea about what we want to do and, and how we do this. So we know that words are powerful and life-giving. However, here's the deal. Timing and Delivery will determine whether or not the effect is positive or negative. This means we have to be grown-ups, right? Little children can't wait to say something, and they blurt things out, and we're always sometimes shocked and surprised, and it's kind of cute when a 7-year-old does it or a 3-year-old, but it's not cute when a 37-year-old blurts out something inappropriate. So it's timing and it's delivery, and adults can wait. Adults can wait to have a conversation. Adults can suspend something. Adults don't have to say, I can't go to work if we don't work this out right now. Adults can say, you know what? We have time. I need to go to work. You need to go to work. We're going to talk about this when we get home. And I know that's painful. All of us have had to do it. But timing and delivery is everything. If we push the point, this is when you get those really bad arguments that create more destruction than they did To pull anything back together so let's think about this just as god revealed himself to us through his words our words reveal who we are to others and to god what i say reveals who i am to god and to other people so let's let's look at some of this when it comes to the importance and the power of words I'm going to give you a little teeny summary before we move on. So we know that humans are made in the image of God, and he is the great communicator in both overt and covert ways. The overt method, that of using words, shows us three things. Number one, we are what we say in many ways. And if what we're saying is not who we are, that makes us dishonest. So I need to say what I mean and mean what I say, and I need to be committed to that integrity. If I don't feel comfortable saying it because I don't know how to do it in a way that is not harmful, then I might wait. That doesn't mean I'm being dishonest. That means I'm being kind. Now, if I'm harboring resentments, that's a different story. So I need to mean what I say and I need to say what I mean. And if I can't do that, I need to say to someone, whoever the person is that needs information from me, one of the kindest things I could do is say, I do have some things to say. I've got to get it right in my own mind so I can say it in a way that will help us. And I'm committed to telling you the truth in a way that is helpful to both of us. So I'm going to get back to you in a couple of hours, or I'm going to write you a letter and give it to you this evening, whatever it is, so that the person doesn't feel like they're just hijacked. And hanging there. And so we are what we say. Words reveal who we are. And this this we have seen in Jesus being the word, the expression of God. So we see in Genesis that words are used to create something, whether that be a, a new reality, a feeling, a teaching, a directive, a confrontation, a way to negotiate, a way to compromise, to heal. It's calling something forth. This is what words do. They create something. And in the inverse, they might tear something down. And that's a really important thing that words do. Many times in sessions, I I say to clients, I'm sorry that your, your mother said that to you, or that your father said that, or that your husband said that. That is not true. So I'm tearing down a false truth so they can be free. So we either build something up, create something, or we tear something down. So we also use words to strengthen intimacy. This is to create connectedness, to know someone and to be known by someone. This is how we do intimacy. This is why we want children to speak. This is why we get concerned if we have someone that's not speaking at an age-appropriate level. We say, why are they not speaking? Because this is part of how you show up in the world, how you make your own footprint. This is part of how you do that. Your words Reveal and express who you are to the world around you and to yourself and to God. So what I want you to think about is many times in relationships, we have what we call an iceberg relationship. And that means that we have this big iceberg and the very tip of the iceberg is what I'm willing to talk about, what I'm willing to show. And then what's underneath that waterline is everything left unsaid everything and that's called usually the sea of resentment and if you remember in the first part of the show I talked about several reasons as to why I might not talk and that would be things like well what's the point it doesn't do any good to talk about negative things I don't want to hurt anyone I don't want anyone to be mad at me well they already know what I think they already know what I feel why do I have to say it again maybe it's never worked in the past Whatever that might be. But I want you to think about an iceberg relationship is super heavy on the bottom. It holds it down. That's what happens in relationships. When we are unwilling to learn how to share who we are in an appropriate manner. So here's some really important um, relationship rules. And, And this can, when it comes to communication. I first want to listen first. I want to accept their feelings. I want to be open to their opinions and reasons. I want to provide opportunity and communication. I want to be honest in a very kind way. I want to discuss intelligently. I want to listen for the facts. I don't want to make assumptions. I don't want to moralize or do sermons or debate. I don't want to do lectures. I want to state things as positively as I can, even if it's a negative issue. And that might be just giving a supportive statement like, I really do love you and this was really painful for me. I need to be dependable and I need to speak with encouragement. And so I'm going to use language that we call I statements, which means I don't say, well, you did this, you did that, you never do this, you feel like this, you shouldn't have done that. I say I, I need to do something differently. I need to manage this issue. I need to let you know how I feel about what happened. So we are at the end of our hour, and I'm very, very thankful that you joined me. And if you want to uh, hear more about this, next week I'm doing the second half of this, and we are doing the five levels of communication, all the way from just general general communication to gut-level communication. What that looks like, how we do that. So I want to make sure that you join me next week and that you certainly check out the website, which we have done some new things to it. So I want you to make sure you check that out and see all the new things. You can always listen to every show that I have done is on that website and gives you ways to really interact. So thank you for joining me. Have a blessed week. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia.